Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Van. With me is my co-host, Donovan McMullen. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great. Well, nice weather we're having this weekend, finally. Wonderful so. weather. Summer solstice happened. Hopefully you guys charged your crystals, because this is the big solstice. <laughs> the one that happens I rotated all my plants. Yeah. Uh, so this week, we are finally on to the next chapter, the next story. And uh, let's just get right into it, eh? I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. Chapter 2, The Voice of Reason, Part 1. Summary. Geralt, he raised his head from, torn from sleep. The sun was already high and forced uh, blinding golden rays through the shutters, penetrating the chamber with tentacles of light. The witcher shaded his eyes with his hand in an unnecessary, instinctive reflex, which he had never managed to shake off. All he needed to do, after all, was narrow his pupils into vertical slits. It's late, said Neneki, Neneka, Neneka. Is that how are we saying her name? Uh, Neneka. Well, uh, we'll go with Neneka. That works. That that's, works. That's we'll the priestess. That. So it's late, said Neneka, opening the shutters. You slept in. Off with you, Eola. So we're in. We're back in the uh, the framing story here, where Geralt was sleeping with that chick, and yep. um. So now basically it's the morning and he gets woken up. So there's um, a couple cool things here. So like time he, jump is the first thing I think, right? Yeah, it is a time jump because we find out that this is this takes place after the incident in Vishima. So with the with the striga. But it's kind of cool because he it says like he he shades his eyes even though all he had to do was make his pupils like narrow, like vertical slits. Like a cat, so is yep. that a Witcher thing? Yeah. So the control, the control of the pupils. That's the idea is that the Witcher has control of body parts and aspects of his body that we don't, and that's through the training, right, and the manipulation, whether or not it's the potion taking or the the poison that they drink. Um, you know, he, we we call it Irish, and you're just an alcoholic. But in this, you're a Witcher, and you got you know special powers. But uh, it's how it goes. So. Um, the thing I think what they're what they're saying is that he was a boy. He was a normal human being at some point, and then they're trained into being a witcher. And then I think that's what they're like. He's saying like you know the sun is so bright that's a human thing. Like just to block block oh, the sun right. because your yeah, eyes are dilated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's why it's unnecessary for him. It's he used to do it as a boy, but it's still just kind of the human aspect of him. Even though now he can just force his eyes to dilate, be done with it. Because so, we don't have like we don't have the option to force our eyes to dilate, they just do it automatically. Right. So, uh, uh, Neneka, uh, Neneka sends Iola away or Iola away. I another name that's hard to pronounce. It's I O L A, Yola, Iola, Yola, Yola. But, but this is the chick that was you know banging G Man. So, um, just Neneka, say Iola without a V, so it's Iola. Iola. Uh, Neneka sends Yolo away, and Geralt tries to say something to her on the way out, but can't find the words. His thoughts are focused on how different the girl now looked from last night, and specifically how she no longer resembles a person called Yennefer. So that's a new character, Yennefer. He apologizes to the priestess and asks her not to punish the girl, to which Neneka uh, snorts at him and says that he's a fool and reminds him that he's in the... Uh, 
Melitella Temple. Meletius. How the heck are we saying that? Uh, what What's the temple's name? I'd have to see it in front of me. Melitella's? Melita. Melitella's. Melitella's Temple. It's like, it's like the name of a bar. Uh, Down of Melitella's Temple. Get your ale. And that their goddess doesn't forbid her followers to get down when they want or anything else. All nice. The Witcher is surprised to learn that Yola doesn't speak. And uh, Nenica explains that the young priestess has taken a vow. And that's not and it's, um, no use to explain any further because Geralt wouldn't understand their views on religion. She then goes closer, uh, gets a closer look at the injuries that the Witcher has. Nenica inspected the wounds on Geralt's neck and swore at how bad it looked. It was the slash from the Striga in Vajima, which had been healing prior to his arrival at the temple, but now he was getting sick again. Nenica berates Geralt for letting himself get slashed by a simple Striga and chidingly asks if he was trying to mount her. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, think about it. He just got done banging one of like, her priestess women. She said, she's, just being, she's just being a bitch right now, and she's doing it on purpose it's awesome, because yeah. she's like, stop sleeping with my priestesses. Yeah, I really knowing like her. Knowing you, you're she's, probably trying to help It's a really good introduction to her. Yeah, so it's, we're assuming it's probably been a few weeks if not a month and a half since the Striga fight. Something like that. And it might go yeah, into it, but been healing not before. Yeah. The Witcher found that funny and smiles uh, yeah. a little, which pisses off Nenica more um, as she redresses the wound. There's nothing funny about it. You're losing your reflexes, Geralt. You're exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating at all. Nenica spread a greenish mush smelling sharply of eucalyptus over the wound. You shouldn't have allowed yourself to get wounded, but you did. And very seriously at that. Fatally, even. And even with your exceptional powers of regeneration, it'll be months before your neck is fully mobile again. I warn you, don't test your strength by fighting an agile opponent during this time. So we learn a little bit about Geralt there. He's got some regenerative properties that she knows about. You know, like she's like, yeah, I know what you were about. I still have to fix your wound, but there's something else going on here, you know? He's getting old. So Geralt thanks her for the warning and wisecracks about what he should do during the time uh, that he's healing. Gather a bunch of girls and open a house of ill repute. <laughs> Nenica says that she doesn't care yeah. to give him advice. She's not his mother, but then immediately tells him to go get some food. <laughs> like, hey, go get some food before yep. lunch because yep. I'm not going to have the girls in there all day. So G-Man then asks where he can find her later to talk and guesses that he could meet her in the sanctuary. Nenica tells him firmly that he is a guest but not to go anywhere near the sanctuary and that she'll find him. And that's the end of part one of the voice of reason that this framing chapter. So uh, points of discussion. We got Geralt's eyes. We kind of talked about a little bit at the start of the chapter. Geralt reflexively shades his eyes from the daylight and Nenica lets in as Nenica lets the light in the room. Um, and all he had to do was narrow his pupils into vertical slits. So he's got cat's eyes. Did he always? Were they replaced? Is it a mutation? We kind of talked about it. So it's kind of like a training thing for the witchers. Mm -hmm. All right. Places of note. We got uh, um, Melitella, uh, Melita. <laughs> Melitalus. Melitalus Temple. Melitalus Temple, located in Alandor, the temple seems to be run by Nenica. And we also have Alander. Oh, we can pull out the map for that, I think. Do I even have the map out yet? Let's see here. Let me, well, let's pull this thing out. I should have been... 
<laughs> Should have been ready for this. Um, yeah, so we got a new location, which is pretty cool because now we're seeing like distance traveled and stuff like that. So let's take a look. My computer's going really slow. <laughs> it's thinking. I'll just have to cut this part out. Don't worry about this guy's story. This is all snipped. Here's the big map. All right. 20 minutes later. Three hours later. So where were we before? We were in Vajima, which is right here. If we look in the map into just the northern part of Tamaria, we got Vajima. And then um, if we look to the north, I think it's north. Oh, here it is. To the east. You go you go east from Vajima through Doradal, and then you get to Elander. And just south of Elander is the temple of um, Melitola. Uh, and so that's where we're currently at right now. So he traveled all this way. So he, he got stitched up here in Vajima, traveled east, went to Doradal. He was feeling better, got to Elander, met up with his, uh, his old homie uh, Nenica, the priestess of Melitola's temple, and uh, then started getting sick again. Weird. So, uh, people of note, let's go over that. Nenica, priestess of Melitola's temple, wakes Geralt up and Iola in the morning. A mother-like figure, has extensive access and skills in healing, has known Geralt for years. And then we got Yola, a priestess of uh, Melitola's temple, who has taken a vow of silence. She slept in with or she slept with the Witcher the night before. She seemed to change to the Witcher from a water nymph-like girl to a normal human with blue eyes, freckles, and reddish hair. Also, she runs out of the room, or as she runs out of the room, she no longer reminds Geralt of Yennefer. Is Iola a shapeshifter, or was it all in Geralt's imagination? Imagination. 100%. Okay, so that was just her that was just Call Geralt it. being Call it. Yeah. Well, you do you not know who Yennefer is, or are you no. playing facetious? No, okay, I don't. all right. So, so this is one of the things that is crazy. You pretty much cannot get away from the Witcher series without knowing who Yennefer is, if you know anything about the Witcher series or the video games or any of that. So, the main premise is that uh, Cyril, was it Cyril? Um, anyway, we'll get that stories later. Um, it's basically the queen's the queen's daughter, who we've already met, the queen. Okay. She's the lioness, I believe. I don't think um, we've met her yet. We haven't met the uh, sorcerer oh. either. Nope, not yet. Starts all, we've, all, right. no, all we've met so far is King Fol Folstead, Foltest. Foltest, yeah. And that's it. So all we know is the Striga story. So this is the next one. I mean, they they drop in Yennefer, and again, this is a framing story. So this is this was. Mm -hmm. probably... I'm not. I'm not going to spoil anything, but basically, the idea Yennefer is, is a big deal. It, there's a, yeah, there's a big point. Girl and that's why Jennifer. Can we say there that? There you go. Yeah, you can say that. But the, yeah, yeah, you could say that. He thought he was banging someone who looked like Jennifer last night. You know. Right. That was the point. Yeah. That that was the point. And then he realized, oh, she didn't even look oh, anything she's like, like her. Uh, just a priestess. Okay. So let's move yeah. on to um, chapter two, the voice of reason, part two. This part starts off with Geralt strolling around the temple for the fourth time because he, he's waiting to speak with uh, Nenica. Wasting time until he can speak with Nenica. He decides to make his way to the gardens where he sees a bunch of priestesses tending the grounds. 
all seemed to be very young, and he didn't recognize any of them. The narrator explains that even though Geralt visits the temple a few times each year, the reason he doesn't know any of the young priestesses is because the temple churns them out so fast. So here's a little part from the book that kind of goes into this further. The girls came and went, becoming oracles or other oracles in other temples, midwives, and healers specializing in women's and children's diseases, wandering druids, teachers, or governesses. But there was never a shortage of priestesses, arriving from all over, even the remotest regions. Melitola's uh, temple in Elander was well-known and enjoyed well-earned fame. So basically... If there's some, I'm guessing if there's some girl that has any sign of being like a priestess or some sort of, you know, magic person, they just send them to the temple and they learn their craft and then they get shipped off to some town or something, right? Yeah. Yep. And this is where this is where Netflix does it different than the books. Uh, Netflix decides to do their own route. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm not going to spoil that one either, though, because I know you haven't seen any of them and you should. But that's that's same idea same, same idea that different, different premise yeah they become oracles. literally same exact concept yeah okay. yeah but they just have a they add a twist in there where i don't think the book ever says okay so then we learn a little bit more about the cult of militella uh Melitola that its roots are very old and are connected to the idea of mother nature itself we get another simplified explanation of the religion from a reflection of one of Geralt's friends, the troubadour, Dandelion, who apparently prides himself in gaining knowledge of anything he can. His opinion is that it's a typical woman's cult, citing that Melitola <laughs> was the patroness of fertility and birth after all. Yeah. So that's so, the first hearing we get of uh, Dandelion. Okay, so... Or Dandelion, as they say in the audio yeah, which I like Dandelion. Um, so Dandelion, interesting fact that may not be a fact, but this is what I heard. So I believe his name is Yaskir in the Netflix series, not Dandelion. And we were all like, huh? And then apparently uh, Yaskir is the Polish word for Dandelion, yeah. I believe. So that's why they were calling him that in the new series versus Dandelion in the book slash show or uh sorry voiceover when they read the book it's dandelion well i like dandelion so i think we're gonna i'm gonna try to go with that yeah yeah so Garelt doesn't uh oh here we go so uh Nenica then shows up and pulls Garelt from his complication or contemplations of his friend and the temple and uh teasingly asked him if he he was looking for eola inserting smooching sounds here uh, actually, she didn't do that. Geralt admits that, <laughs> uh, Geralt admits that he was looking for both her and Nenica and asks if it bothers the priestess, which it does because she is tasked. She has already tasked Eola to prepare for the trance that the three are going to take part in. Geralt doesn't want to do the trance, and Nenica explains that she's concerned for the Witcher, that she knows he's sick and just wants to see if they can find out any information before performing this trance which has to include Yola because she has uh, Militella's favor right now. Geralt insists that, uh, that it won't work because he can't be hypnotized. He's immune, that he doesn't put much stake into religion in general, and he's worried about that the effort would be too much for Yola. Nenica is well aware that Geralt's, of Geralt's stance on religion and reminds him that 
not only is she not only is she fine with that, but that he's right for thinking that it's all nature anyway. But that to her, faith allows her to expect what comes from nature. Besides, it won't hurt to do it. Geralt tries one last time to dissuade Nenica from performing the trance, offering to confide in her all the normal Witcher tales he's experienced in the past few years over some beer. He then asks if she thinks that his lack of faith would make the task pointless anyway, and she says and asks it, or she says no, and asks if he knows why. And he's like, "No, why? Why do you think it's not pointless?" And she goes, "Because it would be." the first proof I've ever heard of the lack of faith has any power kind of power at all. So that line is the end of the chapter and that sentence. So I'm reading it on the Kindle version and listening to the audiobook. You can see how many people have highlighted because it's connected to the internet and stuff. Okay. I didn't know that about Kindle. That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. So like you can highlight little snippets from the book and add notes and stuff. Um, That sentence has been what? 10 million people. Well, that sentence has been highlighted 2,344 times. So mm. I want to go over it again and be like, why? So like, so basically. Okay, okay. side note real quick. Yeah. The most interesting thing of that sentence that I found was why the first time reading it, the first time reading it, yes, I would have highlighted that same exact part. Listening back to it after we just described about Yennefer, knowing what I know about Yennefer, that's why he doesn't want to get tranced. He doesn't mm. want... He doesn't want to have all of figure out that he was only sleeping with her because she reminded him of Yennefer last night and how he truly feels about that. He doesn't want the the head priestess lady to know that that's that he actually cares about somebody because he's supposed to be this stone cold person. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't. He has no emotion at all. That's what makes him fearless in battle. That's what makes him quick. So. I don't even think he is getting older to the point where he's getting slower. I think his mind is on other things, and that's what's making him slower. But what's making him sick? Because he's because his just, wound just was fucked up infection. again. Just an infection. Okay. I think just the, the sickness is just the infection, and they're saying, you know, and even that, that could be the aspect of troubled mind kind of thing, too many mind. He's not thinking about healing himself like he should be, like he normally could. Because we don't know how his powers work still. We don't know if he has to think about it. But we know he can move his eyes by thinking about it, where we can't. It's all autonomous. We don't don't get to choose in our heartbeats. It just does. Where he can. He can slow his heart down. He can slow his breathing down. He can move his eyeballs. So why wouldn't he be able to slow his rejuvenation down? And maybe he's doing that so specifically so he has to stay there. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if he could slow it down, but just he's not speeding it up. And my guess is that it's because he's longing for Yennefer and he's not thinking about healing himself. He's not thinking about all the shit. So that's why he goes, I'll tell you all the Witcher stories you ever want to know. And he's truthful about that. I'll confide in you. I'll tell you everything you ever I ever did as a Witcher. But he and he's like, get me beer because, you know, just to, you know, parch my dry throat because we got a lot of stories. I think he's afraid. He's the big, tough dude. And I think he's afraid to say that he loves somebody. I think that's exactly what it comes down to. Yeah. So, so that's. But I mean, at the end of the book, at the end of the book, it's going to be exactly what it is. I'm just okay. telling you. Just, you know, not, I just we're not going to talk about it until yeah, we get that's, there. That's really interesting because I didn't think about how. I wouldn't have known. When I read that part the first time, I didn't know about the end. And so I had an assumption with I've seen the series before I read this book. Right. But so I was just kind of like, oh, and then, yeah, you, you pick out the most important sentence. But sometimes it's the background sentences that you don't think are important until later that are actually the most important. Well, what I liked about it was like it was kind of a talk about religion. It, you know, like we go over, we went over this part pretty quick, but um, 
he's basically telling her, I don't want to do the trance and try for whatever his reasons are. It comes off as just this, as the framing story goes in the order of the stories comes off that he just doesn't want to do it because he doesn't believe in religion or whatever. Yeah. He's just an a-hole. Doesn't want to get, doesn't want people to trance into him or whatever. We don't know why. We don't know what a trance does to a person in this world, whatever. But she's saying, I'm well aware that you don't believe in anything, but I believe in something. It's not going to hurt you. It can only give us information. And if it doesn't, it didn't hurt, you know? And she gives some really cool, uh, she's got some really cool lines in this part where she discusses her opinion of religion and that um, it's just her way of making sense of nature where he believes everything is all nature and that it's all circumstance. And she's like, you're right, because it is, but my goddess is mother nature. And so it just helps me expect what's going to happen. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then she says this line when he says, um, doesn't she think that his lack of faith would make the task pointless anyway? And she says, no. And she says, because it would be the first proof I've ever heard of that the lack of faith has any kind of power at all. And that's just a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around for some reason. Okay. So, so basically, um, She's saying, I'm religious, therefore my belief in religion gives me this power, okay? okay. And that's that's how religion works. It's it's too bad that we ha- the word power means, you know, superpowers or whatever, yeah. right? It can mean so many things. But that's how that's how real religion works in the real world too, is is I have this gift from God. It's whether it's I was forgiven for my sins or you, you okay, so like she's saying that he has an absence of it, so it wouldn't even do Abs- anything. Anyone ever saying, well, not that, not that. That's true. That's the first part. But basically he's saying is, I don't believe in God, therefore it shouldn't have an effect on me. And they both, okay, he's saying his religion is no religion. She's saying her religion is this druid whatever religion, right? Yeah. So what she's saying is, hey, let me try it on you. If it doesn't work, then that means you not having a religion is its own gift. It's its is his own power that you're able to resist my religion. So she's basically, she's basically like mentally playing him because it's it's he doesn't true he doesn't believe that her religion means anything. He's like you don't really have a power because religion is not real. Like that's his right. that's his whole shit. And she so not she's saying, hey, let me do this. Basically, she's saying if this works, it means my religion's real. She's not saying that. She's saying if it doesn't work, it means your lack of religion is real. So she's playing him. Yeah, she's saying she's saying the same thing as if this works, my religion is real. But she knows he's too smart for that and he doesn't believe in her religion. So she's basically saying, hey, if if I try this and it doesn't work like you don't think it's gonna, then you would then you would be correct. And my religion's bullshit. And so guess what? It was double down and he's just like, fuck. So she outplayed him. She just outplayed him. Do do you happen to know what a trance is in The Witcher? Like meditation, I would assume. A trance would be, but like the way she's setting it up is she's going to be in the room. Yola's going to be in the room and the witcher's going to be in the room. And, and because Yola has Melitola's favor, the goddess's favor, she has Mm -hmm. the ability to do this trance correctly. And that's why she sent her off preparing for it. So I'm guessing it is going to be some sort of probing or something, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Well, that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. And that's the end of future possibly too. I mean, it could be, it could be extra. That's the other thing is we, we don't, I would imagine it's like playing by our rules, but then with unlimited rules after that. Yeah. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that because you know there's like soothsayers and stuff in history where you know leaders would go and and try to find out if they should go to war in the next month or whatever. I'm sure that regular ass yeah. people would probably be like, hey, can I see if my crops are gonna do good? You know, um, <laughs> regular <laughs> shit. So True. Uh, that's the end of part two of the Voice of Reason, which is right before chapter two starts. Um, don't have a whole lot of notes, except uh, we got a new character, Dan Dillion, friend of Geralt and a troubadour who prides himself in having knowledge on most things, which is cool. That's all we know about him right now. Moving on to chapter two, A Grain of Truth, part one. Summary. I like this one. It's a good one. Summary. You got to do the voice, though. No, please don't do the voice. What's the voice? The, the, oh gosh, I need a line to say. It's like, you, that voice. Don't do that voice. Chapter <laughs> two, Grain of Truth, oh, part one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summary. The story starts out with Geralt having a high vantage point of a wooded area, deciding on where he's going to go next. And this is from the book. The Witcher observed the birds for a long time. Then, bearing in mind the shape of the land, density of the wood, depth and course of the ravine, which he suspected lay in his path, calculated the distance to them and how long it would take to cover it. Finally, he threw aside his coat and tightened his belt across his chest by two holes. The pommel and hilt of the sword strapped across his back peeked over his shoulder. We'll go a little over the our we'll go a little out of our way, Roach, he said. We'll take a detour from the highway. I don't think the birds are circling there for nothing. So Geralt thinks that uh, the Geralt's basically seeing in the distance where he can see into the kind of the ravine. It's blocked by the woods. Circling. He sees birds circling. Yep. And yep. what I, reason why I put that little paragraph in there, I wanted to read it, is because it shows the way he thinks. He's like calculating how far it would be to get there. The birds are circling. They're dipping. They're coming back up. What's going on? And he's like, okay, Roach, we're taking a, a detour. Roach is his horse. His horse is named Roach, which is pretty freaking cool. His horse is awesome. It's so horse far, is- his horse is awesome. So yeah, yeah. Geralt thinks it could be an elk's carcass, but it could also be something else as the pair make their way through the thicket and into a glade where they come across two corpses. He saw the first body uh, had... Um, oh, I, I think I missed the part where... where where's the part where... Okay, so when they first come up to the um, the two corpses, there's a whole section where there's two um, there are two or three wolves. Uh, so they he rolls into this glade, he sees two corpses, but he sees three wolves chilling there on their haunches, and his horse Roach just kind of like looks at him and then snorts once, and then it's almost like they're commanded away and they trot off into the woods, which I thought was a cool little scene. So, yeah, because this horse is so cool. He's so like, he, just get out of here. Don't even, dude, this guy, this guy, just go. And they're like, right. all right, like, dude, we'll leave. You know my, you know the guy who's riding me? Yeah, freaking leave. Um, <laughs> so he saw the, the first body that he saw had a white sheepskin jacket and a blue dress. And he, Well, I thought actually, I thought he could command uh, creatures. Geralt? I, I'll have to look that up. He has the wolf pendant. He does have the wolf pendant, but. You know, we I we haven't seen what it can do yet. Maybe That's that true. is part of it. You know, maybe he's commanding Roach and then commanding and Roach I, to tell I the wolves just, to go away. Not even that. 
I just may have made that up on the spot, but I'm pretty sure I remember that he has uh, powers over wolves. Animal empathy or something. Maybe you should have wolf a wolf empathy. sled. Yeah. <laughs> 30 wolves pulled him on a wooden sled. Through the... That would be okay. freaking sweet, dude. The Iditarod across all of the Witcher land. Um, so the first body he sees has a white sheepskin jacket and a blue dress. And he was, and it was easily spotted in the yellowish sedge. In the book, it's called Sedge. And that, look that up. It's just a clump of tall grass, you know, like grass that's kind of overrun. Her face and throat were gone, and the second corpse seemed like it was chosen as the first meal for the wolves and the birds. On closer inspection, it was clear to Geralt that the man had died from a blow to the neck and not from the wolves, uh, because the wolves must have found the body later. The Witcher finds a leather purse on the man and pulls out each item from it one at a time. And from the book, this is what was in the leather pouch. A tinderbox, a piece of chalk, sealing wax, a handful of silver coins, a folding shaving knife with a bone handle, a rabbit's ear, three keys, and a talisman with a phallic symbol. Because <laughs> you got to have that, that talisman, yeah. dude. Yeah. I think that one's better than Turtlestone. Two letters <laughs> at... There were two letters written on canvas, were damp with rain and dew, smudged beyond readability. The third, written on parchment, was also ruined by damp, but still legible. It was a credit note made out by the Dwarves Bank in Murraville to a merchant called Roulet Asper, or Aspen. It wasn't a large sum. So Geralt takes the hand of the man and finds a ring as he expected, with the emblem of the Armorer's Guild on it which is a stylized helmet with a visor, two cross swords, and a rune A engraved beneath them. Then he goes back to the woman's corpse. As he turns her over, he got pricked in the finger by a rose, a blue rose, which was weird to G-Man because he'd never seen one before. He also saw clear bite marks that were not from a wolf. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that's not fun. At this point, the witcher backs away slowly, mounts Roach, and starts really examining the glade closely, trotting around and keeping an eye on the forest's edge. Geralt starts thinking out loud in the form of a conversation with Roach. He decided that the pair were on their, that uh, the pair that they found were on the way home to Murraville because no one carries a credit note for that long when they were pulled off their horses and killed. Then it seemed three days old. And then this is what the Witcher is saying to Roach. The thing that killed him, continued Geralt, watching the forest edge, was neither a werewolf nor a leshy. Neither would I have so much for the scavengers. If there was, if there were swamps here, I'd say it was a kikimora or a viper, but there aren't any swamps here. So we get the kikimora showing up again, and a viper, oh, which is just a big-ass snake, right? Yeah. So he's talking to Roach and talking this all out and just being like, dude, not really sure what the heck this thing is. Um, G-Man decides with Roach that they better look into this because if they pass this up, they wouldn't have enough money for oats. He pulls over the bl- or pulls over the blanket on Roach's saddlebag that was concealing one of his swords, just in case. He makes it clear that even though it's not a werewolf, they weren't going to take any chances. Then he unbuckles his tunic and pulls out his Witcher medallion with the wolf's head on it as they go deeper into the forest. Okay, so I just looked it up, and I could not find anything related to his command over small animals, like I thought. So I have no idea where I pulled that from. But yeah, but Roach Roach might have command over small animals. 
we don't know that. Roach could be a hell horse. We do not know that. Well, Roach is just like a witcher of horses, kind of. He just rolls Maybe. up and is like... We don't know. So... We don't know. He could be a magical horse. We yeah. have no idea. So, um, places of note, we got uh, Murrowville. That's There's a dwarven bank there, or the dwarves bank there. That's where the note came from. Uh, and people of note, we got Roach, the witcher's trusted, uh, trusted horse. Who now, do they mean note like money or like a message note? It's a bank note like, like you would write someone. It's like a check where you'd say, check. hey, yeah, here's yeah, a yeah. check for a thousand bucks. Go to the bank and you can take right. it out of the bank. Um, or like a British note. A British note. So Roach, the witcher's horse, seems calm and confident. When the pair meet up with the corpses in the glade, they're faced with three wolves on their haunches. Roach simply snorts as if, by command, the wolves trot away into the woods, which is cool. We also got Roulet Asper, or Aspen, the merchant, a merchant in Murrville. And that's all the notes I have for that. Blue Rose? Oh, yeah, Blue Rose. I didn't put that in Flora and Fauna. Um... Yes, we have a blue rose. So that's kind of interesting because Geralt had never seen one. You know, like when you say a blue rose, you think, well, whatever. You know, blue roses, I guess you could do that. But he's like, nah, this one's odd. And I was kind of thinking since it pricked his finger, I'm like, okay, when's the poison going to seep in? Is he going like, yeah, to sleep? You yeah, know? blue. So, yep, yep. That's exactly what I thought too yep. when I was reading this. I was like, oh, great. He just Wizard of Oz himself. The yep. oldest trick in the book. He's F now, yep. You fell for the plant trick. What plant a nerd. trick on the dead body trick, dude. Classic. Yeah. Um, so that gets us started. We're not going to go into the next part. Uh, we're going to save the next part for next week because it's a big, long part. Uh, it has a lot of interesting things in it. So that'll be good. But before we go, uh, we got some comments from the listeners. Oh, no. They're angry. <laughs> We got some pretty cool comments. It's been a while since we had um, done a recording, so I wanted to read some of them on here. So if we go to our Random Book Club podcast uh, YouTube site, on the video, The Last Wish, Chapter 1, Part 5, uh, we, got a co- we got a comment from someone named Muriel. So she says, Your pronunciation of the word Fujima has come to perfection. The Witcher swords are not all pure fear. Oh, the reason why she says that is because she's from Poland. I got an email from her. Oh, cool. She's Polish, and she's really enjoying the our reading of it. Um, so the Witcher swords are not all pure silver. So she, oh, she's gonna give us a bunch of info, which I thought was interesting. So I just wanted to amazing to bring share. it on. So as the, much info as possible. The Witcher swords are not all pure silver. Details on the creation of Witcher swords are discussed in further volumes. They have steel. They have a steel core. So this is back when we were talking about. Right. They'd like, have to. They'd have to because right. remember, like they would just you They're couldn't cut that sword. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'd swing it hard enough; it would bend. It would just bend yeah. and stay bent. You'd be like, "Wait, what?" So um, they are not used on people, uh, so that they don't waste the silver on the surface. Silver is deadly in this world for most for most of post-Conjunction of the Spheres monsters. So that must be one of the books, Conjunction of the Spheres. Uh, You will learn about the Conjunction of the Spheres in the future. Uh, Thing with Novigrad is a complicated one. In the main Sava, Novigrad is not a state, it's a free city. Only 
in this particular short story is governed by Vizimir, who is in further stories called Vizimir or Viz, Vizimir, Vizimir of Redania in further stories. And Novigrad is as a free city is out of his power. So, okay. So in this short story, he's the, the king of Novigrad. This is the, the dude who wanted his chick yep. to marry full test or yep. daughter, not his chick. Um, okay. So individual stories were not created for the larger world. It was only with the creation of more stories that the Witcher world developed. At fan conventions, right. Sapkowski often joked that the short stories were not entirely canon because some of the elements from the short stories never got into the saga. In particular, The Witcher, being the first story, is, a full, is full of such pearls. There is nowhere else, for example, that the daughter of King Vizimir Delka is mentioned, which is cool, you know? Uh, Sapkowski right, right. often talks about uh, Babalaki, Vrans, Vaginoi, and uh, Dopplers being left out of canon for Saga's sake because their concept didn't match the plot ideas used in the saga. Saga, however, is already internally super consistent. Things that do not fit with the story's fandom explains retroactively in a different, sometimes interesting way. Thanks for the video. Anyway, it's it was awesome as always. So, um, what she's saying is these short stories is like a taste of the Witcher. It's not canon, but in the actual canon version of the Witcher, the saga itself, everything is very tight. They got everything on lock. So, okay. So then I got to ask after this book, do we go to the next of the short stories or do we go to the canon? I think we do short stories because the next one is a short story one, right? Yeah. It is. So, and I'm taking the short stories. I like them even more. But okay, so he says, I guess they're out of canon because it'd be too hard to. You'd have to discredit a lot of shit that yeah. you write in those books. Yeah. So you'd have to be. So you're just like, all right, it's not canon. And then that way you, you can get right in whatever you want. Yeah. See, like, what okay, happened to Vizimir? Why is he not, like, why is he not in freaking Novigrad anymore? You know, that kind of shit. Netflix took these stories and then changed a little bit of it. Um, so, okay, so in the book, I don't think it ever happens in the book because that's the only time you ever hear this temple, but in the show, uh, they definitely, let's just say, harness some of the power of the females that go there, okay. and they don't necessarily go anywhere. They just disappear, okay? Okay. Like that kind of aspect. They don't say that in the book. So Netflix will do that. And then, uh, like, another, it's just they can, they can take three or four different storylines and they merge them into one storyline and it works pretty well. And I like it. And they did a really good job of it. And it's almost like watching a new version of these stories. So to know that these aren't even Canon and then they're messing with them a little bit is actually makes them a little bit better because then you're like, Oh, they're not touching. They're not mucking up Canon. So I can see that. I can see that. That's exactly what they did is they had to crunch everything together to make it fit and work. So then um, on the next video that we did after that chapter one, part six, seven and eight, the first part, I think. Um, we get, um, let's see, we get we get a, a new subscriber, which is great. And Jesse says, Blood of Elves is the third book. The Sword of Destiny is the second book, and it's also a collection of short stories, which goes into what you were saying. Oh, you know, so I have to go back to what I think. Maybe we should just ask the people. Do you think that we should read the short stories, or should we just skip to the main saga, you know? Um, then he says... I really like how many of the short stories 
Uh, I really like how many of the short stories in the first two books are inspired by fairy tales, but with a twist, or maybe closer to how they actually were yep. before they yep. were Disneyified. Even though yep. The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny consist of seemingly unrelated short stories, some of them heavily relate to the main story, starting in the third book, Blood of Elves. And some characters that you see in the short stories, read more, come back in the main story. So that's cool. I mean, we got Dan Dalian okay. already. You know, okay. these are characters. So maybe you read all the short stories and then read the canon. But I agree. I agree with him. But he, uh, we discussed this and we are playing uh, dumb, right? We're not anything that maybe future info. We're not yep. necessarily bringing into the as conversation. As much as we can, you know, if it, if it helps, like there are certain things right. I want to know, like who some and of these people are. You know? that, and there's a certain thing that like we know as a reader. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Cause I, once I started this book, like you, I just finish it. I can't go chapter by chapter, right? It takes longer for us to make videos than it is for the read the yep. book. But a hundred percent, I agree that these fairy tales is like getting to see how the Grimm brothers or somebody else did these fairy tales instead of just this Disney magical, like good versus yeah, everything's evil. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, that's more the of whole a reason why my concept, actually. Yeah. That's the whole reason why my concept of fairies is so, like, twisting my brain when I read this. Because when they're talking about fairies snatching kids, like, yeah. I'm like what? You know, like, that seems like a bad thing. And maybe it was, you know, like, hey, it's like something that you tell your kids, like, hey, if you're not nice, the fairies might come get you, you know. Uh, okay, so then we got uh, Muriel again shows up in the comments here. Uh, they say, podcast fun as always. Second book was Sword of Destiny. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the Fury thing, this is back when we were talking about um, when yeah. Geralt gets furious, when he's fighting with the Striga. The Fury thing is one of those things that only happens in the first short story and never again. Oh, no. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yurden, uh, Yurden sign in games is a trap sign. The shield one is, Qu or the shield one is Quen. Quen, yeah. The major change, uh, the major changes in narration come with Blood of Elves book, which is the third book, as we've found out. The main interest shifts from Geralt to, let's say, another character, and most of the chapters are from many different point of views. And there is no more short stories. Not everybody likes that, but I love the saga and the short stories for different reasons. Cool. So that's cool. And then we got uh, Jamie Breitner uh, writing in, saying, I read Ostrich's Death Differently. I didn't think G-Man wanted to let Ostrit die because the Strigger reached him quickly, too quickly. It seemed like Geralt intended to intercept the Strigger and let Ostrit run away. I wonder why he might have wanted to keep Ostrit alive if that was his intention. When Ostrit said he only once cast a spell in anger, I assumed that was the spell which created the Strigger. He seemed to say that as a final confession almost. Maybe Geralt wanted Ostrit alive to answer for his crimes. I bet Geralt doesn't often get to see that type of justice in his field. So that changed my mind on what I originally thought. You know, oh, like uh, uh, maybe, maybe, but like for me, this is. I'm just gonna put this little side note. Yeah. He stood there and listened to him get killed without moving. He wasn't like, all right, time for me to run too, because I'm gonna intercept this Striga. He was just like, oh damn, that got him a lot quicker than I thought. So that makes me believe that he had his mind made up way before. At basically, when he knocked him out, he knew what he was going to do with him. Yeah, I mean, he, he was smiling knew, and shit. Didn't matter what he said when he was tied up. That's why he was like, "Shut up," because he doesn't care. He's like, "You're already dead." 
Like you're you're already yeah you're bait, dude. You're getting used as bait because you fed too many people to this monster. Like that's I bet you he just didn't care. Yeah, he may not. Because, have. Yeah, he stood there, bro. He stood there the whole time, and he's like, "Oh, that got there quicker than I thought." Like, <laughs> what? Hello? <laughs> and he's still not walking towards it. Like, oh crap, it's getting him. I gotta start running in there. No, he waited. He waited till it was done. Yeah, it it was. Um, I I just found it really interesting that uh, the thing that changed for me my mind was. Uh, that potentially he was the one who cast the spell. Because he did say, I only cast once in anger or tried once in anger. And I didn't yeah. think that I did it. Um, I wonder if he was the one who actually cast the spell and not the queen. You know, like, and I wonder if that's why Geralt's like, yeah, even more reason to let you die, dude. You know? Yeah. Who knows? Yep. So uh, those were just a few of the comments that we got, which is cool. I love to see the comments. It looks like people are enjoying this podcast. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Random Book Club Podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me, Don. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. So everybody be good to each other, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Adios.